0: Hey, podcast listeners, this is Charles Chandler. I'm working on a new episode for the podcast, but I uh, didn't quite get it finished for this week. So I'm going back to the archives to pull out episode number two from February of 2016. The title of this episode is What Does It Take to Manage an Airport? Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. In this podcast, I interview managers of real organizations and try to take away principles of organizational performance that we can all learn from. This week, I'm pleased that we have a special episode on airport management. I'll be interviewing three guests with considerable experience in this area. We'll be concentrating on small airports because it's easier to understand the principles of airport management without the complexity of large airports where scheduled commercial service is available. The airports we'll be talking about are in the central Texas area, but I think you'll find that uh, the discussion will apply generally. airports across the U.S. First I'm joined by Fred Voigt, who's one of my neighbors in the Central Texas Hill Country and has long experience with airport facilities. First in the Navy, later with state government in Tennessee, and finally as a consultant to airport operators in the Northeast U.S. and elsewhere. We now join the conversation that was taped in Fred's house. What I thought we'd do is just talk about airports a little bit. The way I think about airports, basically you've got a piece of land. um, And it has boundaries. And so, as far as what you're managing, over time you've got to manage the facilities and and that piece of land and how it interacts with the community because there's really um, sort of a symbiotic relationship between whatever town is nearby and the airport. And so over time, they're growing together. And so there can be encroachment later on with, with uh, mm-hmm. residential areas. But um, take, us, take us to where, where you come in on this. In other words, how do you think about airports and, and the various facilities and, and other things that you're managing within that context?
1: All right. An airport is a gateway to all, the whole country or an uh, international area it's not typically thought of if you're a user as it's an you're going to a place but yet that is also a place that can take you anywhere in the world so I'm starting on a, on a macro level as opposed to what you introduced earlier is about being something the local town needs or local city needs and and of course they do need those things they need they need a, a suitable airport for businesses today, they're not necessarily going to be traveling by car or rail to visit you. Good example in Tennessee with 76 airports. I was the aviation. I was the director of aeronautics for the state. the the ma- The major business impact was use an example. Um, Mr. Mercedes Benz wanting to open up a business, so he's 30,000 feet in the air. He has all of Tennessee to look at, or you could move to any state. And he he wants an airport that he can land his airplanes in. A airport that has all the suitable uh, electronics to bring them in, in poor conditions, bad conditions. He wants an airport that has probably at least over 5,000 feet of runway, preferably over 6, between 6 and 7.
0: So it's a gateway for business. It's a gateway for
1: business to not only your town, but all, all around you, in your local area, but also in the whole United States. There's a whole integrated airport system that, they're, that FAA talks about, and they, and they look at the benefits of those airports, not only as a single item, they look at it through the whole integrated system. How many general aviation airports do you need? How many reliever airports do you need to relieve the major commercial service airports? Uh, those things are something they wrestle with all the time. But if the focus is strictly business, like I said, at 30,000 feet, you've got lots of choices. And a town or a city, Kerrville would be a good good example. They would like to have access to a full service airport. So what does that matter to the people in Kerrville and Kerr County? It doesn't mean anything to them other other than what they hear about, but... The business people, uh, the people that are running the airport, want to make sure that airport is inviting as it can possibly be, and and and, and making it inviting again is going to have the instrument approaches, having the facilities, maybe a repair facility there, certainly hangar facilities, all of those things are important.
0: Okay, but to come back to where I started I guess with the plot of land and the boundaries, and it's it's of course owned by usually a local uh, government arm arm of government, either the city or the county probably, um, and and so it becomes a place then that that other things come and use on on the facility. So like uh, you can have partners that that come in and run the FBO and uh, supply the fuel. Uh, you can have restaurants. Uh, a variety of things that may be separate businesses on their own but they're participating in the airport environment there so and, and I'm trying to get back to what what are we really managing here uh, as as an airport entity uh, we're trying to manage a relationship not only with the community in the town but attracting other businesses to operate and to uh, on hangars or uh, lots of other things so uh, speak to that part of it, sure. if you
1: will. Well, then you're talking about real estate, essentially, and and the real it's a unique piece of real estate because you not only have to have the boundaries of the airport, the physical boundaries of the airport, but you have to protect beyond that the airspace above it. You have to protect the slopes. There's a whole, um, gosh, I can't, I can't, I'm looking, I'm thinking back of a model of a, of how the airport air and the land is all protected in a different way for example you don't want to build you want to have enough uh, room around your airport to protect it so it won't be encroached upon be forced to close down because you're build you're putting residential buildings around you're, you're putting shopping malls around you want to control that growth around that airport to allow industry to be in there golf courses are perfectly good Kerrville is a good example um, small manufacturing jewelry manufacturers moving out right next to the airport he can't build things that are too tall to impact on the approaches whether it's the visual approaches or the instrument approaches to that, to that uh, runway um, area so it's not just it's not just the footprint of the of the taxiways in the airport you really have to be concerned about almost a three dimensional look uh, horizontal, vertical, and you know, and you have to protect that airspace.
0: So, in the case of Kerrville, which is where we live, the city itself has to think long term in terms of uh, not only the boundaries of the airport, but what kinds of development, in terms of zoning, I mm-hmm. guess, that it allows uh, nearby.
1: And they do. Yeah. the the airport board. A, a typical airport will have an airport board. This airport board is robust enough and educated and has the experience to, to run it without any political interference, which is good. Because, FAA, by the way, most of, I should start this off going back more on a global look, none of these airports are, are totally funded by the local town or local county or both. FAA pay, plays a big part in funding an airport typically a runway costs so much money, a town like this could never afford it, but they pay 90% of the cost of that runway. So this, the the state would probably pick up another 5%, and the locals would pick up another 5%. So there's, there's a little bit of local money into it, but FAA. So because of that, Chuck, you end up having a, an obligated airport. So that obligated airport comes along with a lot of assurances that you won't won't harm that airport in any way like building those malls or or building on the airport itself and you mentioned that earlier what kind of industry do you want on the airport Uh, you have to be careful what you put on there because sometimes you get the wrong mix in there and then that whatever's on that airport starts impacting its ability to do its job to allow the aviation free use of aviation so FAA wants you to keep that airport sterile for aviation activities now there's a broad range, like I said, you could have off the runway, a golf course, but you can't have a shopping mall. You shouldn't have a church, any place where, where people congregate. So those zoning restrictions are very important on a local level. And it's insidious how sometimes you'll, you'll find in a town or, and I'm going back to my time in Tennessee, that it's like the camel's nose under the tent. The one little industry gets off over here, it's kind of the side and it's right on the edge. And pretty soon it builds from that. And it's not just general aviation airports. It's the same with commercial service. And it's actually the same with military airfields.
0: Do you ever see cases where, let's say, land speculators come in and buy up plots that they know the airport is going to need in the future, maybe 10 years from now, um, and they're trying to sort of take advantage of the the land uh, market, you could say?
1: I haven't seen that. It, it's possible... You might do it in reverse, it would be kind of like um, break, if you wanted to get rid of an airport, that's a good question, you wanted to get rid of an airport, and this has happened in Florida, you could easily buy up land alongside the airport and you could cause such a strain to the local government, and to FAA for that matter. There, there, there was an airport that closed in Chicago and everybody that's listening to it probably remembers what it is can't go to the top of my head Migsfield yeah so they they had an obligation by the way to keep that airport open for 20 years when you accept your first dollar or your last dollar you're obli- from FAA you're obligated to keep that airport open for 20 years but the political pressure became so much that they were able to back out of that there was yeah. lots of AOPA all sorts of organizations fought that but eventually it did close down. That but was a political a uh, situation,
0: Daly. Yeah, I think Mayor, Mayor Daley in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's go back a little bit and, and think about a town that's growing and, and has an airport, it might be even just a grass field to begin with, um, but how do they think about the future and how do they think about um, attracting investment from the federal and the state mm-hmm. level to grow their facilities, in other words to get runways and taxiways and drainage uh, on the airport and uh, environment to plan for the future even when, let's say right now, they may be a relatively small town, but fifty years from now mm-hmm. they may need um, you know, a fairly uh, large uh, footprint.
1: Well, it has to be kind of a hand in hand with the Federal Aviation Administration. FAA will build new airports and they build very few of them now, but they'll build them if um, the travel time between one airport to another. And again, this goes back with your example of a growing community. So you have a growing community, you have industry coming in, Spring Hills in in Tennessee uh, is a good example. They don't want to drive 30 minutes to an hour to pick up something from an airport. They would like an airport close by. So so if it meets that criteria, then the town petitions to have FAA and the state, and every state has an aeronautics division typically under Department of Transportation for that state, and they petition to have an airport built. It takes, a, it takes some political, but, it's, but right, FAA criteria for it is there. Is there money available to put it down a lot of, we call them green airfields, where you start with a green field and you actually put a, a brand new facility down. You're gonna find less and less of that going on. What today you're gonna to see is improvements on the airfields that you have. So going back, you you as, an, you as, a, as a, a government uh, person or city or county and, and where we are right now in Texas, they wanna protect as much of that land around there for future development. For example, what if this airport wanted to have a commercial service? Their the runway right now is large enough for seven thirty sevens. You're talking about Kervo. Kerville. Yeah. For seven thirty seven. If that if if you find that you could you could open up new industries with having larger aircraft coming in there and using it, mm-hmm. then you would petition FAA and, and they would likely look at that and again it's a it's a big cost because it's not just it's not just lengthening the runway. You have to build the runway to the specs to handle that kind of weight. So it's really it's really local and federal government together and state government. You're, you're, I think anybody that wanted to do anything would go to their state agency first, the, the Department of Aviation, and the, the Division of Aviation in Tennessee's case, and, and work from that point. Most states. Um, Well, in fact, as I said, all states have that kind of agency in a local level. And then FAA gets drawn in because the state's drawn in. The state agrees that they think that's the right thing to do, and then they they work with FAA to get that done, get the funding. But I guess one of the
0: critical things would be to open up those lines of communication with your state and your federal agencies and and tell them what you have in mind long-term. And maybe maybe even a master plan uh, somewhere along the way might be... um,
1: necessary um, yeah not necessary. it's absolutely critical. Um, you, every every airport in the integrated airport system, which is almost any airport that has received federal money, will have a master plan or they won't get the federal money. Uh, you have a private airport here it doesn't have a master plan and they may have they do have kind of a you know back of an envelope kind of plan what they want to do in the future for a private airport. But any airport has received federal dollars. To get those federal dollars, you have to have a master
0: plan. And, those and master do you f- typically have to fund that exercise no, f- yourself?
1: No, FAA will no. FAA will develop a ma- master plan. We just mm-hmm. finished one in Kerrville about three years ago. And there are lots of consulting, aviation consulting companies that will help you with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what that master plan does is set the future up for example, we go back to 737s or we go back with with large aircraft flying freight into an area or parts into it to, to support some industry, then they become the critical aircraft for that airport. And FAA will then build the appropriate runway lengths and taxiways and have all the proper separation between runways and taxiways and the airspace around it.
0: What, what tends to be the, the critical aircraft uh, along the way? Is it usually the UPS or the Postal Service or, or um, uh, Commercial Service that um... then...?
1: It, kind of, it kind of starts, it's funny, what, uh, if you want a longer runway, you have to justify that. So you justify that kind of around about. you have to say, well, if I'm going to receive... Um, well, FedEx and, and UPS can bring in small airplanes, they can almost go on any size airport with at least 5,000 feet, 5,001. Um, so so they'll support that. If you're looking at, you know, if FedEx flies into major commercial service airports also and then trucks it out, um, I'm not sure. I, you almost have to, I hate to say this, but you end up going to a consultant and saying, you know, we think our industry growth is in this area. And, and because of this, Need going to Spring Hill, say in Tennessee. we gonna have we have a we have an automobile plant here, and we're gonna need airplanes in here that that are gonna require this length of runway, and and the kind of taxiways and everything, all that other infrastructure is required. So you're really kind of going in, but you're you're forecasting the future, the master plans there to say what's gonna happen downstream. So you build to that, but again, FAA is not gonna be duped into putting a major six, seven thousand foot runway and taxiways and, and other other facilities in without justification.
0: Sure. When do airports typically move into commercial service? Uh, does the town reach a certain size in that or the, the service area reach a certain size when when that the,
1: happens the catchment area is the is the key. If it depending on how close you are to a major commercial service airport. In our case San Antonio is a commercial service airport. I would be very, very surprised, even if it's it's what an hour's drive. See, that's that's too short. They're not going to build another commercial service airport. They may have com- excuse me, scheduled service. There are commercial service airports that you could bring. Well, you could bring business jets in here, and you could, and you are bringing them in this particular one. But to be a full-service commercial service airport, it's really a catchment area, and they would look at both. Austin and San Antonio is being close enough that we're not going to put the kind of runways, you know, dual runways, 12,000 feet uh, runways to support another commercial service. There's no, there's where it goes back to your master planning and your needs for that airport where you work, the locals are saying, we really think we need this, but you're going to have to bring the state and, and FAA in on it.
0: But there's some airports like, I think, Del Rio that, that have had commercial service at one point. Mm-hmm. They've lost it for a time, and it kind of goes back and forth depending on, uh, I guess, the demand. But um, can you speak to that? In other words, uh, what's the danger there in terms of losing if you're not able to keep going?
1: Well, the unless you're talking about essential air service at, at, at more remote areas of the country, um, that's always under the gun for being cut in the FAA budget on uh, transportation budget. But there are places in this country that you would like to have commercial service coming in there, but you don't have enough passenger load to justify it. So there is a program in FAA called Central Air Service. So they will augment that. They will keep it alive, basically. They will augment the cost of running that operation for that area. It would be in, in almost where we are right now, being in Texas, it, the, there wouldn't be such a thing as essential air service unless it's very much in a remote area. A lot of politics play in that. A lot of politics would play sure, in that.
0: Sure. Um, if you were looking 50 years into the future and looking at the kinds of planes that might be uh, you know, su- supplying service at that time, uh, do you see a lot less airports or a need for different kinds of airports or different um, kinds of facilities.
1: That's a very good question. Uh, let me go back to the comment about airports shutting down. Probably shutting down because they ended up strictly being uh, GA airports, small airports, with a high cost for the federal government. And, and there's uh, a temp-
0: temptation on developers and to developers buy to encroach, And developers you know, encroach on it. Yeah, Encroachment right.
1: probably kills more of those small airports than anything,
0: and the, the land's valuable, so they can sell Correct. out basically, Correct. And, you know, and,
1: and even a, the military is running into that in Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. the Naval Air Station Oceana. I mean, it's they're just building all the way around it. One of these days, when a plane plows into something, and that'll be a lot of be a lot of mashing of teeth and, and talking about closing it. Uh, Cecil Field, Master Jet Base, was shut down probably one of the best master jet bases the Navy had, and that's near Orlando. And there's exact reason it closed down because Orlando, all the commercial service traffic going into Orlando, conflicted with those F-18s that they were flying out of Cecil Field. So they moved the F-18s, shut down a major base like that. It's happened in Beeville, Texas here. It's happened all over. Base closures are are occurring. But that's on the military side. The, The real thing is you can close any kind of airport down by not protecting what's around it. And how do you do that as a city father? You know, am I getting more money out of the airport or am I getting more money out of the mall that's gonna go next to it? That's the real question. Mm-hmm. And we all have to make up those. We know how, we know that a dollar spent in an airport ends up to be spent several other times around and and so the economic impact of an airport is not just buying fuel for some small Cessna, depends on what they're bringing into there, who's coming in, and what those people are doing while they're in this local area. Um, airports are like, I always I, I used to say that airports are, are like a utility, and, and I'm always amazed at what we try to make airports self-sustaining, but we don't take in the, um, you'll know the word this better than I would, I can't remember, the economic term where the, where that one dollar ends up to be, you could, you could spread it between spending money in restaurants and, and, and lodging and, and, and entertaining. So follow on. And yeah, just continue, it grows, there, yeah. it grows, it yeah. grows. And, and you have to look at that. But again, the city fathers look at what else could that land be used for? So, so what you need to do, again, going mm-hmm. back to what we started with, you, you need to zone those things for commercial activities that aren't gonna have a gathering of a lot of people.
0: Yeah. If you take an example of Austin, I guess, where Mueller Airport, uh, which was the original city airport back in the 60s when I was in college there, um, that one closed and, and they moved to the, the Bergstrom Air Force Base, which was also decommissioned as, a, as an air force. base. Um, there were probably some politics involved, but, but uh, certainly as you get rid of an airport, you can't get it back.
1: You won't get it. It's very hard to build, like I said earlier, a Greenfield Airport starting from scratch. And the only one I know of in Tennessee that we, that we did, uh, we started when I was still there, was to close two general aviation airports down because they were inadequate to make them and then build one larger one for that, for that area. Again, the catchment area included those two towns, and, and that worked out great.
0: But to get back to my, I guess, question about the future. The future, 50 uh, years down the yeah, 50 street. years from now.
1: I, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen to the general aviation industry. I, I, you know, that goes up and down so much. In its heyday, it's gangbusters, and then it starts dropping off. Uh, will we have will we have airports, you as your general aviation pilot, you want that you want that airport right next to you so you can go out and fly your airplane. You don't necessarily, it's like dragging your boat to a lake that's 50 miles away, you don't wanna do that.
0: And you don't wanna end up with just all the, the commercial airports. The commercial the,
1: airports don't want you. So no, you, that's right. when you were around, when you were talking about uh, Austin, a lot of those airports were called reliever airports where they don't want You checking in with your uh, your 182, uh, and and get in get in the same traffic pattern as 777s. They they want you to go to a to a reliever. They want you to go to a general aviation airport. You're still lot. You're still able to do that. You can land wherever you want to land if it's a federally funded airport. It's open to you. But but to operate out of it, they want you in the smaller airports.
0: Right, and if you're a general aviation pilot, you don't want a seven thirty-seven no. on your tail, anyway. So. Right, right.
1: You can only slow that airplane down so much. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking at in the future, uh, it, it's hard to imagine what things are going to be like fifty years from now, uh, in, in so many areas of life. Uh, but uh, airports, um, I think we're going to see fewer of them, fewer of them, probably, as you know, development continues and, and we lose some. Uh, but we may also have some autonomous cars or, f- or flying cars that. Um,
1: I uh, saw that in 1950, and I'm probably popular mechanics. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, given the drone uh, sort right. of thing right.
0: and and the autonomous cars that are coming on, it shouldn't be too long before autonomous airplanes are possible, at least.
1: I think one thing: don't lose don't lose uh, sight of what I mentioned earlier about. Mercedes Benz. I'm just using them as an example, of course. If they want to build a if they want to build a, a factory to to in, in this country to build Mercedes-Benz, they're gonna want an airport. They're not gonna want they want the airport almost literally next to the to the facility. They want it close by. And the and the impact a company like that has on the state, well locally, the state, and then the federal government. To put an airport down, it is it's quite strong. We wouldn't be doing a lot of the airport building. Uh, Kerrville, for example, it was a former military base, I believe. But but the growth of this airport is because of the of San Antonio being so close, yet not inviting enough for them to keep their even the larger airplanes, the larger um, corporate aircraft. But a lot of corporate aircraft that. that They have it at at Kerrville, and it's close enough to San Antonio. And they don't want to screw around. Excuse me. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be messed around with the big commercial service airports either. They Mm -hmm. like the fact they can drive out there to their hangar and get into their corporate aircraft and go.
0: And the costs are probably lower.
1: And I'm sure it is a Uh, small airport as well. yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's going. I don't think the the GA airports, which which is a catch-all for everything that's not a commercial service. That, yes, on the on the short end of the smaller airports will go away, but I would say those those airports that support towns like Carverville, Kirk County, that it's going to stay for, forever.
0: But to come back, I guess to the original idea of this episode. Uh, is what is excellence in airport management? If you were going to go in and look at an airport that's already existing and evaluate um, you know, uh, how well they're doing, let's say, uh, how successful they are, uh, I guess the question is, what do you look at? What are the telltale signs of, of excellence in management?
1: Well, measurements of success in commercial service is easy. They want more providers to come in. They want the FedEx, not the FedEx, the uh, uh, Southwest and JetBlue's to come in. They want flights that will leave here and go direct somewhere. Although our hub and spoke uh, aviation network is well-tested and true, what the measure of success is, to give the local people in the community the kinds of accesses that they need with the commercial service. For an airport such as this one here, a 6,000 foot general aviation airport, it's really to support the industry. Now what is the industry? There's a hunting industry here, there's campground industries, there, there again are a lot of industries that want to leave the airplanes here. So they have to build the hangar spaces they need, they have to have the appropriate fuels, which is very easy to do. But, but it's a local responsibility to make sure that that necessary 50 year look out in the future, but that five to 10 year look allows them to have the runways and taxiways and the instrument approaches that they need. So the measure of success is how does the airport board, the airport manager, make sure that that airport stays viable to, to complete those tasks. So how well do they do? It's relationship building with, with the state because, again, every state has their own aviation division. And most states, see, there's only 10 states that I know of. And this may, I may be off by one um, that are block grant states where the Federal Aviation Administration and a block grant state gives them all the money they, they, they are going to get for general aviation. Instead of giving it out, instead of FAA giving it out to Kerrville, to Bernie, to San Marcos. They give it all to the state. And the state, at a local, more local level, decides who's gonna get that money. So if you're a local person, and you're in a block grant state, such as Texas and Tennessee, the two of the 10, then then that relationship with your state government is even more important.
0: I mean, when I think of organizations, um, you know, in, in sort of management, scholarship, you think of organization and then there's the environment of the organization. And sort of the effectiveness of the organization, at least the way I think about it, is really based on the how robust that interchange is between the organization and its environment. Because basically, if you're going to stay cash positive and... Um, um, Maybe even profit in in a business side. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have that interchange because that's that's your lifeblood. Uh, so, uh, in in certainly today we're talking about airports. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week we'll be talking about something else. But um, do you see that as as one of the critical factors in the yes. way you look at airports?
1: Yes, I do. I've been involved with small town master planning myself. I've been involved with certainly uh, airport master planning, and, and so master planning or strategic planning to bring in your stakeholders, and, and your stakeholders are local government and local businesses. If you don't have them on board appreciating the impact of that airport and what they do, how they run their business or how they run the government and what, what impact it has in that area, then, then you're lost because, you sit in, unfortunately, that because aviation is kind of like its own thing. If you're just talking to the Federal Aviation Administration or the Department of Transportation Aeronautics Division, you're, you're, you're talking to some important people. But if you've got to sell it at the local level. If you don't have that local support. And how do you do that? You do it when we did our master plan here in Kerrville or when I did a master plan for a small town in New Hampshire where I, just, where I moved from you're you're working with the people that think this town is where they need to be and and how can it be enhanced how can their business be enhanced by in this case an airport how can it be enhanced and you invite them into the process you you invite you don't just invite the fixed base operator in because he he's he gets it he knows how important it is to sell fuel to airplanes but you start inviting in the local car dealership the local whatever business that you think anybody would use that airport. Then it gets then it gets sold to them and then when it gets sold to them, you decrease the level of anxiety what do we really need this airport? Isn't is this just a place where guys go out on Saturday to fly around a little bit? And you bring it into the level of we need this thing because the way industry is today, it's not just in time. They've got to have a continuous operation to to show the viability of their local area or their local community. You don't want Mercedes-Benz going to the next town. Again, at 30,000 feet, they're looking down at two miles of runway. Yeah. And an airport can take you anywhere in the world. A two-mile stretch of Interstate 10 can only take you two miles down the interstate.
0: So in a large sense, it's, it's about the response you're getting from those local business leaders and how well they're buying in and perhaps even investing uh, based on the knowledge that the airport's going to be there um, and the facilities that they need are, are going to be there when they need them.
1: Yes, I think for the, for the people that are already here or any, anywhere in this country, they understand the need. They either have the need of the airport or they need to be instructed. Having open houses at airports are, are important. Brag about them, get, get in the paper, have discussions about it. Uh, It's not just when you do, I mentioned the master planning and and strategic planning, that happens probably once every five years. You probably need to keep it stirred up. I know the airport manager here in Kerrville ends up speaking to pilot groups and anybody else that attends probably several times a year at at a luncheon. He said, what's going on at the airport? Well, Mooney is doing this. Mooney is a large manufacturing for this, this area. What's Mooney doing? What's their plans? How many people are they hiring? Then we have Mooney come in, and then Mooney tells them what they're doing in aviation at that, at that airport. Then people get the idea, well, maybe this is very important. We're, we were getting employment, we're getting manufacturing done, we're, and then again, the, the, the leverage of those dollars in the local economy is immense.
0: Yeah, as you get those different stakeholders on board, it's kind of a self-reinforcing it is. Yeah. Um, a dynamic there.
1: I have, I guess in my, I have a lot of experience in this, I have not found many towns and counties that own airports having to fight the locals to keep the airport. One, I think, is that FAA pays 90% of everything, almost everything. And and they have grant money for just even maintenance of the runways and tags. It's not just a matter of, I'll build you this runway and and then you're in charge of it they have a maintenance fund that that they allow the local communities to go after and and I it you know we we're, we're we're fighting you know on a federal level you know how the budget issue is with the transportation bill or even the um, airport improvement program bill those things are just on continuing resolutions that pretty soon that money there is no more money we we the needs are certainly out out uh, Pacing the the amount of money available, so that gets tough. But I think I haven't seen. And again, my 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 major my major look. Well, I, I was a consultant all through New England, so I've been up to all the New England states. the The, the money is still flowing. The it's tougher, but it but the money's still flowing. And Texas and and um, and Tennessee are really right at the top of great airport systems, but I'm sure I could say that if I were involved with some of the other states.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we of course hear at the federal level about, um, um, well, both sides of the aisle talking about the effectiveness of the federal dollar, and there is a narrative saying, you know, um, federal government can't do anything well. But, uh, as we see in this case, in airports, you know, a lot of the federal dollars are, are going to the local level. They're sort of invisible because they're under the umbrella of that local airport or whatever. So, let's say 90% of the runway fun, uh, costs might be funded by the federal government, but that's sort of invisible mm-hmm. to the locals, uh, even though those dollars are coming back to them.
1: Yeah. It is, and, and you know, some of the argument against it, a lot of the ticket your uh, facilities charge as you pay on a ticket, that's where ma- most of that money comes from. It doesn't necessarily stay right at that airport. It moves itself to all of the integrated airport system. So any airport that's federally- integrated. And the fuel tax, I guess. Uh, fuel tax, also part of it, right.
0: Uh, be funding uh, airport facilities as well. Yeah, well, Fred, I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Tell us just a little bit about, um, we didn't have an introduction there at the beginning, but tell us a little bit about how, um, you know, over the years there in Tennessee and in other places, um, you, you've you been involved in airports.
1: Well, I, I left the Navy, I'll just go back. I was a base commander at an airport. I'd call it an airport, but it was really a major facility in the Philippines. So it had an airport, seaport, it had, 6,000 people working there. It's really more of a, a town manager. That than was Subway Bay, airport. wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's a Naval Air Station, QB Point in, in, in particular. So when I finished that job, uh, that was a good deal. I went to the Pentagon. And then I ended in the Pentagon doing the same thing for all the Naval Air Stations, defining requirements, or or I should say the requirements were provided by the users, but looking at the requirements and then a, a applying money to those requirements at those airports. My last job was at ROTC at Vanderbilt. And that's a two-year job when I, I knew that was a dead-end job. And it was a great dead-end job because it got me into the local, local community. And there I discovered this department of, or this division of Aeronautics in Tennessee, and they needed a director. And since I was doing that in the federal level, it was easy for me to transfer it over to the state side. The decimal points are a little bit different, that's all. Yeah. But it was the same thing. Requirements, and, you know, and where's the funding coming from? In, in Tennessee, they had, they had a fuel tax on, part of the fuel tax came to the state government, to Department of Transportation to be used at the airports. And, and uh, the best thing about Tennessee is that Memphis, at that time was, well I guess it still is, a hub for, uh, for FedEx. So FedEx was buying a lot of fuel. So a lot of that money was used for all commercial service and, and, and general aviation airports of the 76 airports there. So that's been a bad, then, I, then like old people, think like all old people end up being consultants in their life. So I ended up being a consultant in an engineering and design company up in New England. I moved up to New England because of family reasons. And um, I spent a number of years up there really doing marketing for new, as they call new business development for aviation, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think they felt that a guy from Tennessee would do well in any area, as far as airports go. The thing is that um, everybody is, you have to be, in a, you have to live in a local area, and I, I was brand new to that area. But but I enjoyed doing it. The consulting was good, and, and 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 again, I saw it from a different perspective. Someone told me one time when I got frustrated that. You lived in a life where the money was always provided. The the airports were coming to you for money. Now you're a consultant going to them for money. It was a whole different world.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks very much, Fred. All right. Enjoyed it. Yep. Um, I'm now joined by Morris Martin, the airport manager of the Stinson Municipal Airport, owned by the city of San Antonio. Stinson was one of the first airports in the country, founded in 1915, and Mr. Morton joins me by phone. Yeah, how would you describe the day-to-day uh, job of the airport manager?
2: The day-to-day job of the airport manager, uh, we uh, keep the airport in compliance with all the federal aviation regs and uh, make sure that the uh, airport stays in a, a safe and effective manner uh, for, for for the traveling public. Uh, we uh, deal with the leases and uh, uh, just the regular issues of the day for for the uh, for the airport. Um,
0: right. Would you sort of uh, sum it up by saying it's it's a matter of keeping all the equipment uh, working and the facilities open and and safe and risk low risk and that sort of thing.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that that's the uh, the major portion of the, of this job. Is you know uh, we at this little airport we have uh, about 380 acres that we maintain, and uh, everything from the mowing to the lighting to the, you know the the instruments that you have out there we we maintain and and, and keep them in a, a um, you know we although we're not a 139 airport we we still maintain it at a, a 139. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, that refers to the FAA uh, regulations that. Part 139, I guess. Hey, sir. Um, let me ask you about uh what what's the largest aircraft that um generally would be able um, to fly into stenson
2: uh, we're, we're a, a group two type type aircraft which is you know your uh, citation you know assess citation uh, gulfstream small business Casual. jet yes our small business jets is your largest
0: i think your your large or your longest runway is forty eight hundred feet but uh, five,
2: uh Five thousand feet uh, uh, usable on on our, our lowest.
0: Uh huh. Okay, um, but the um, instrument approach only comes into the the shorter runway.
2: That that, that is correct. Uh, we we only have a, a approach into runway three two. It's a circulant approach to nine uh, two seven or two, to any of the other. I road.
0: guess that's because otherwise you would be interfering with the uh, the main uh, airport to the north there.
2: Well, uh, there are there, several different things that, that, that get into our air traffic here. If, if you look at it, we have uh, Kelly to the uh, to the to the west of us. There, we have the air Force Randolph Base. to the east. We have SAT to the north, and then uh, down to the south, we have a mission right off the approach. And so, with the land heritage and world heritage sites, now you know we have to be. Uh, uh, knowing that we're you know we're near that so so there's a lot of limitations on our on our flights here that 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 that, that do that to us and so you know there's a lot yeah.
0: more to it would you say that uh, Stenson is um sort of constrained a bit because of uh these other facilities around in terms of, of its growth potential
2: well you know th- th- there the um the airspace is, you know, has always been congested here in San Antonio. You know, that that's that's not anything new. Um, I I don't know that we're really constrained. I think, uh, you know, I, would I like to see a you know, better minimalist or something like that into the airport. Absolutely. You know, that that, that always is going to be. What a, about a, uh, what about longer runways? Uh, you know, uh, I think our runways are are long enough for anything that that we're capable of handling now. The, the five thousand foot is is. It's plenty long for for the citations and, and that type of thing. Uh, if anything, you know, uh, maybe a better approach is in would would be the would would be the uh, the best thing. Uh, you know, we're we're in a really good there. Yeah, approach to nine or to two seven to the to the longer runway. Yeah. Um, that, that I think that would be the, the most beneficial uh, part of it. The uh, you know you you look at the airport. We're poised in a really uh, good area here now. You know, with all the all the growth around us, you know, with Palo Alto uh, out here with the flight school, with, with um, the the University A uh, and M, you know, built just down the road, you know, the manufacturing, that. you know, we we have a lot of different things that are out here around us, with the oil and gas industry, although it's in a slump right now, you know, there, there's a lot of growth in, you know, Weatherford and Baker Hughes and Halliburton and all these have built just after the south, so we're we're in a good place to grow. I, I don't believe that that we're hindered by by what we have here as much as uh, you,
0: you would think yeah and beyond the day-to-day uh, job of the airport manager I guess the other uh, sort of a longer term question of um, how do you plan uh, for the future and um, um, ensure that uh, projects get funding that, that are needed um, how, how do you think about that sort of thing
2: well, you know, we uh, we we work with, closely with Textot and and with our uh, city officials to uh, to stay on track to uh, where we want to go with this. Um, Techstot has a, a a pretty good uh, capital improvement program that, that that we work through and and uh, and and with the the NAPIAS and 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 that, that keeps us uh, keeps us uh, on track with with our with our projects.
0: Yeah, what would you say would be your highest priority as far as uh, some improvements? beyond uh, let's say an instrument approach
2: well uh, you know uh, having the approach you know um uh, i'd like to see you know s- some more uh, buildings built out here some more hangar space and mm. uh, and then um, as far as that, that type of improvement that that would be the best uh money spent uh, i think um and then and then start working some some joint ventures with with some of the the local groups around us, you know, with the Brook City bases and things like that, to to do some marketing to uh, to bring some of the companies into this area.
0: Sure. I guess always you're looking for the economic growth side of it and and well, uh, that, that, revenue. That's
2: all part. Of it. Absolutely. You know, that, that's uh, you know we we want to uh, be good stewards of, of what we have and 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 to uh, to try to make it as uh, uh, the best we can with that end of it
0: as you look out uh let's say 20 even 50 years uh what do you see for Stinson? uh any major changes
2: you know i i uh, i it's hard to to look out that far but you know you um you see the growth that's happened here on the south side with in the last 20 years and and it's just absolutely amazing you know with 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 the growth of Brook City base and with with all the development that's around us right now and 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 I see uh, Stinson Stenson as a, a very viable uh air park here that that's gonna be a uh, uh, a key uh, provider for this uh, for this side of the, uh, the south central Texas. So.
0: Yeah, there aren't any other uh competing uh, private uh, or, or city air bases or uh, airports any anywhere near on the south side. So uh, that, that's correct. You know, and and
2: the thing is we're we're right on the edge of the Eagleport Shell, so we're we're definitely poised for 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 helping anything that, that goes on in the oil and gas industry on, on that end. You know, with with Texas A and M growth and with, with Brooks City base and all the development that that's happening on on this side of town right here, uh we're we're in a very good position to uh for, for growth and, and for development out here. I believe that, you know, in another twenty years it'll be a completely different uh area out here. I'm really uh, happy with the way that the city has uh moved forward with some of the planning you know, as far as, you know, uh, with the River Reach Project and with the World Heritage Sites around us and all these things that are happening, you know, next to us. Is, this is, a, I believe it's a, a very good uh, direction that the city has is, is taken with all this.
0: Yeah, and that, since the city owns the airport as well as these other initiatives, uh, they, they kind of tail in together. Um, what about Gate 1, which is your new uh, FBO there? Um, and we're,
2: we're we're very happy to have them here. Uh, they they've come in and they're they're providing a first class service, you know, uh, out here now. You know, they they're meeting, you know, whatever type of aircraft that comes in. You know, they're they're very competitive on their fuel prices, um, quite a bit lower than than some of the other airports. And and uh, as far as their their jet fuel and pay, and so um, they provided another dynamic to the airport that that, that has been uh, lacking a little bit. And so I'm really happy to see that that that's moving forward.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks very much uh, for your comments, and um, we wish you the best of luck.
2: Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm now joined by Roger Hanson, the airport manager of the Gillespie County Airport in Fredericksburg, Texas. Mr. Hanson joins me by phone. Let me just set the stage uh, for those that are listening uh, re- regarding what we what we have here at the Gillespie County Airport, it's a single runway of 5,000 feet. And so it's mostly general aviation, but some jet traffic does come in, primarily business jets. I think uh, one of the nearby airports, Kerrville, has 6,000 feet. Does that give them more flexibility and more uh, uh, ability to bring in larger larger jets?
3: Yes, that that will give them the opportunity to have uh, larger jets because the, the criteria... Uh, that will drive the length of a runway will be uh, the kinds of jets and the temperatures and the length of the runway. Uh, one of the things that, that that's uh, figured in, in, in that performance data for the airplane is if it encounters an emergency on takeoff, can it stop uh, within the remaining distance of the runway? by sure. having a, a 6000 foot runway a curbville does allow them to probably accept the higher temperature in the hotter portions of of the year
0: just a little greater margin of safety i suppose that uh, is correct let's let's go back though to one of the basic ideas about the airport and the airport authority in, in some ways it's a landlord right because it's it then facilitates private sector partnerships with other operators like the uh, fixed base operator that might sell fuel uh, or uh, someone that might have hangars for lease on the airport grounds. Talk to us a little bit about the landlord uh, side of things there. Uh,
3: the, the airport is a county-owned airport. In other words, all of the land belongs to the county and individuals are, are given a leasehold agreement uh, on the airfield. And those leases can be uh, anywhere from 20 to 30 years with a 10-year option on the end, giving any uh, any individual a 30- a to 40-year uh, lease. Uh, for the county and for this airport, uh, we have emphasized the entrepreneur investment uh, for, for the airport, and that's what has allowed us to, to grow. The county provides the infrastructure, that is the taxiways and the runways and the lighting systems, and the individual actually constructs uh, the building that he's going to operate out of. For instance, our FBO here uh, has the fuel system, has uh, truck service, has self-serve from the tanks, and also has three uh, big 12,000-square-foot hangars where they can put airplanes in, plus a nice terminal building which has full-up uh, weather data, and ability to file flight plans from, from their
0: location. Right. So, and in, in terms of the county providing facilities, uh, we also found out from others that the federal government and the state government uh, is is doing some cost-sharing uh, there. Talk to yes, us a little and bit and about and that side of it.
3: In our particular case, uh, Texas is what's called a, a block-grant state. In other words, uh, the FAA through the Aviation Trust Fund Sends the money to Dot Aviation Division, and then Aviation Division is the agency responsible for planning and distribution of grant monies. By the fact that we have accepted grant monies, uh, requires us to adhere to what are 39 grant assurances to the FAA. That is, that we will maintain the runway, the runway lighting system. We will maintain the runway. In usable condition, along with the taxiways, and, uh, and acquire the navigation easements for uh, approaches to the airport. Uh, there are numerous. Uh, I don't sit down and read them every day, uh, but I do have a general feel uh, for for what's in those grant assurances. We can't discriminate. And if uh, another FBO wanted to come onto the airfield. Uh, we would not be able to say no. They would have to. They would be given the opportunity to construct their facility and to operate from the airport, which would then put them in competition with the one we presently have. Right. But what we get uh, for our share, in, and I've done some some look at the financials for the airport uh, since uh, 1993. There's been about 22 million dollars of investment at the airport, of which. Approximately 11 million is by the private entrepreneur, and the county uh, will provide approximately another 11 million dollars. Of that 11 million dollars, the county has actually invested from the general fund um, about 1.5 million dollars. So that tells you roughly uh, 9.5 million has come to this airport from. The grant program of Text.aviation Aviation, which gets the money from the Aviation Trust Fund from the FAA and the U.S. government,
0: right. Um, despite the fact that uh, Gillespie County is a fairly small airport, uh, it's just uh, one end of any kind of a f- flight that might be originating uh, uh, by a, by an aircraft um, over the, over the states. So it's part of a network part of a system, a nationwide system even I suppose Uh, and the the standards you refer to for FAA and other things um, allow you to function in that system so that uh, aircraft coming in um, know that certain standards are being met uh, for instrument approaches and and other kinds of things.
3: Uh, That that is correct. We're part of the the national airport system uh, of the U.S.
0: So Partly you have to meet the FAA requirements uh, along those lines and and open lines of communication, certainly with the federal government uh, agencies responsible and the state government. Uh, How much of that uh, takes your time uh, away from other things?
3: Uh, Right now we're in the middle of getting ready for a capital improvement project, uh, which once we get a contractor on board and he starts to work, then that will be pretty much a daily effort is probably spending half the day dealing with issues that will come up during the construction phase. Uh, prior to that is the engineering phase, which I would probably say about eight hours a month I would spend uh, dealing with the consultant uh, dealing with dot Aviation. So as you can see it gets more intense as we get to uh, the actual construction phase of it. Uh, so and. During the the calendar year, when I'm doing uh, looking at future projects, I would probably spend maybe two hours a month, uh, twenty four hours uh, a year, uh, thinking about uh, where we need to take the airport and capital improvement projects.
0: Right, and uh, we we found out talking to other folks that um, uh, over the time, over time, over the twenty years, thirty years, whatever, uh, one problem with Planning for the future is that the airport can get boxed in because of development around it, uh, roads that might block its uh, extension of runways, um, and as, as the town that's nearby grows, um, other other types of encroachment may occur. Um, talk to us a little bit about your planning for that kind of, of eventuality.
3: In in, in fact, uh, what has taken place. Uh, it, with this new capital improvement project, uh, we took a look at what the airport was capable of for the next five to 10 years. Uh, The answer was we can't expand because we can't go to the west anymore because of of a city park. Uh, We can't go to the east anymore because of privately owned land uh, and also uh, getting into uh, areas of the city So we said, how can we develop this airport and attract uh, aviation service businesses? And what we had to do, it it was a two-prong attack, actually. Uh, We took a look at the drainage uh, that we have on the airfield. We have a big detention pond, which essentially separates the north end of the airfield from the midfield portion of it. Um, And we asked the question... How can we take back some of that detention area uh, and put up front aviation service businesses? And by that, I mean they have direct access from their business to the taxiway and then to the runway. By virtue of having the drainage study, they said, here's what you can do. In other words, we have to build another detention area and we do have an area that cannot be used for future aviation service businesses. It's essentially part of a business park, which was designated for uh, non-aviation use by the FAA. So we decided to take uh, a portion of that uh, to put in a new detention area, allowing us to fill in the old detention area and being able to build a new ramp, which will attract, the upfront aviation service businesses.
0: Let me ask you about the two roads that are on either end of the runway. Do you see the a need to extend the runway o- over the next few years to let's say when, that that 6000 foot uh, length?
3: When I came on board here in 2005, they had just been in the conclusion phase of a master plan which would take uh, the air, the runway out to 6,400 feet, and that would be to the southeast. Uh, what that would do is you would have to build a tunnel over Highway 16 uh, to allow vehicular traffic to go underneath the runway and then uh, extend it out another uh, probably 1,000 feet uh, into uh, agricultural uh, land. Uh, we'd have to... Re- Get the rights to that to that property. Get it; it's uh, bought. And at that phase, in in 2005, the project was looked at to be a 40 million dollar project. And probably in reality, you would probably have to go um, uh, and, and actually take the land from the people, uh, as opposed to and you have to give them fair market value. Uh, but um, you you have to declare eminent domain
2: uh, I don't
3: think that's a very good way to treat the, the citizens around the airport especially when you take a look at what you get for that extra 1400 feet that we would add on here um, the original plan um, said you needed to lengthen it because a jet uh, could not take off from Gillespie County Airport in August the hottest month of the year and make it uh, non-stop all the way to the west coast um i i think as jets get more efficient in terms of engine power uh braking systems uh, that that will be able to mitigate our 5000 foot uh length that we have here uh plus uh, what that would mean if you don't lengthen it and they wanted to get all the way the east coast, to the west coast, they might have to stop, whether it's in Denver, Albuquerque to pick up uh, another fuel load um, from about, you know, it might cause them another 45 minutes or an hour delay in their flight plan. So the decision was made. Uh, at this point, we plan on keeping it at, at our 5,000 feet. Um, the only expansion we can make is to the southeast because the, the topographical features of the of the land would allow it off to the northwest area at the going across Tyvydale Road um, the terrain becomes very hilly and starts downhill and you just would not be able to use that for runway construction right
0: so as you mentioned uh, the technology of, of airplanes and uh, how as efficiency improves um, you may not need that extra fourteen hundred feet for those those particular kinds of jets. As you look out um, in the future, though, do you see other kinds of changes in technology that may uh, affect some of your airport operations? Um, You know, of course, there are drones that are coming online. Um, We may, in fact, have autonomous aircraft at some point. Um, Do you see any of these factors uh, playing into your future planning?
3: Obviously, something like drones and autonomous aircraft would require you know, an infrastructure that would have to be added on to uh, the airport as to how you get uh, aircraft to the ramp, to the area where they're going to either discharge their passengers or their cargo. Uh, so I, I don't have enough of a vision into how that would work, uh, but obviously, uh, as we go into the future, that would become a possibility. One of the things that we have done here is, in our last capital Improvement project from 2012, uh, we went with LED runway lights uh, for the airport. Uh, we were one of the first, if not the first, airport in General Aviation Airport in Texas to get the LED lights. And I can tell you that and I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on wood here since 2012 when we installed them. I have not replaced one light bulb. I don't have to clean the lenses uh, of of fire ants which crawled up into the old incandescent quartz lighting uh, which caused a huge maintenance uh, problem. So we have solved some of our airfield maintenance problems with the fact that we put in the LED lights. So I think as we go into the future when we see aircraft change their modes of operation, Uh, then we'll adapt the airfield to that once those given modes are are proven.
0: Sure. Um, Airport also, of course, has a large parcel of land, and some animals uh, live there as well. Um, I'm sure you have deer crossing perhaps uh, and rabbits and other sorts of things. Talk to us a little bit about uh, how that affects your operations.
3: Uh, This airport is approximately 219 acres in size and the only portion of the airport that is not fenced off is probably about 1,200 feet Um, and we do have deer crossings on the airport in fact uh, we keep one of our gates open uh, all the time so that the deer migrate off the airport the deer are going off the airport I come on to the airport early in the morning Um, And I'll use this morning as an example, Uh, I found uh, seven deer on the west side of the airfield and they were headed down towards that gate. Usually when I turn on my truck lights to them, uh, they will start moving in that direction. By the time the sun is up, uh, they're gone, uh, as was the case this morning. In this next capital improvement project, because of the DIRR problem, we are going to uh, finish off that last 1,200 feet of fencing that will allow us to completely fence off the airport. Now, one of the problems that we have is since we have a commercial hotel and restaurant on the airfield, how do we do that uh, without... Uh, having gate codes and and things like that, that that would hinder uh, the commercial use of those two facilities. Uh, In looking around the state of Texas, Rockport had put in an 18-foot cattle guard on their entry road into the airport. Once they did that, that eliminated their deer problem uh, because the deer would not jump over that 18-foot cattle guard. And that's how we're going to do this next uh, capital improvement project. Complete the fencing, but the airport entry road will be an 18-foot cattle guard, uh, which will deter the deer from coming onto the airfield itself.
0: Right. Let's go back for a minute to the financial side of it. Um, As far as financial income, uh, you have sources that include the revenue from the lease of the facilities to certain private uh, operators uh... i guess you also have some money coming from fuel tax uh, and and other things and of course the federal and state cost sharing um... how do you stay cash positive in, in an airport like this
3: in any typical year i will bring in about hundred sixty to hundred and seventy thousand dollars in revenue to the airport and like you said that comes from the leases underneath the, the facilities on the airport and we also charge a fuel flowage fee, which is five cents a gallon per gallon sold. Uh, so that comes in. That will bring anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand uh, dollars into it. Plus the t hangers uh, that we have, uh, the t hangers will bring in. The ones that are owned by private entrepreneurs uh, will pay a three percent of their gross revenue for the month. In other words. If they're filled, we get a nice little check. If they have nobody in them, then we don't get anything. So um, the 3% uh, helps us uh, maintain uh, the positive revenue for the airport uh, fund, if you will. Right. And, and, and the airport fund is a fenced fund inside of the county fund. Um, the, the county uh, doesn't spend the money that's designated strictly for the for the, uh airport because that's part of our grant assurances to the FAA.
0: Well, what, what kind of principles can we take away from this discussion uh, that other managers can, uh, can use in their own uh, day-to-day management? How, how do we know a good airport management uh, experience when, when we see it?
3: Personally, uh, I think if you go on to an airport and you see activity, uh, you see runway taxiway areas that are cleaned of debris cleaned of of grass growing up uh, weeds growing up where they shouldn't be growing um, facilities that are dilapidated um, that are not kept up then I think you would you would have a case to to talk to to the airport uh, about how why aren't you keeping up the facilities because I don't think any one of us wants to go into whether it, it's, it's a restaurant that's poorly kept up or a bathroom that's poorly kept up. So if you keep up what I would call the cosmetic things, I think that's just indicative of the kinds of, of management that goes on. That's the day-to-day kinds of activity. So these are done, these
0: are symptoms of, uh, of neglect, perhaps?
3: I, w- I would call them that, yes, sir. Uh, the, the other thing is once you've done the day-to-day activity, whether that has to do with cleaning up the airport, cleaning up. Uh, uh, by shredding, uh, keeping the airport neat and clean, then you, you you have an opportunity to sit down and think about where you need to go next. What's, what's the next phase? And what we did uh, after we had done the uh, gotten the airport master plan on board, we sat down and said, what do we want for the next decade? And part of that comes to being able to do our own, develop the airport itself without acquiring any more land because... Uh, we do have a parcel of land that's down to our southeast that would be nice to develop for the airport, but uh, the person that owns that uh, has has not uh, offered it up for sale. So I think that would be something that's way out in the future um, that would not allow any kind of immediate uh, development of the airport.
0: That's about it for today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on airport management. Join us next time when we take another look at organizations and their performance. Should be an interesting trip.